There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another episode, a thrilling episode of the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I am the uh, publisher of Paranoia Magazine and ParanoiaMagazine.com, Paranoia Publishing, and a whole bunch of other stuff. On the line, I have Ron Patton, who is... Hey, I'm the uh, editor-in-chief of Paranoia Magazine. All right. And on the line, we have Vince Nzunza. He is uh, he is our guest for tonight. Um, but before we do that, I got some uh, housekeeping I got to do. So, uh, hey, Ron, I got some really awesome books from Feral House. Oh, yeah? What kind of books are they, Olaf? <laughs> yeah, let's make this sound totally can. Uh, well, gee, Ron... <laughs> Um, they actually sent me three books, two, all three of which I think you'd be really interested in. Two, I think, could produce some some interesting results if uh, if you were to get your hands on them. Uh, the first one is David Bowie, Color the Star Man. It is a fan-based collaboration of original art submitted in tribute to the great music legend and icon David Bowie, uh, memorializing his diverse artistic career in film and music and life, part of Feral House's coloring book series aimed at adults and artists of all ages, even though they say it's aimed at adults, but all ages is welcome. Anyway, I took a look at it. It's totally awesome. The uh, I'm not going to color it. It's too awesome to color, but the art in there is, is pretty insane. The other book uh-huh. they, they sent me is uh, Lemmy Kilme- Kilmeister. You know, I can never say that guy's name right. Lemmy Kilmeister. Well, Lemmy Kilmeister. Motorhead. Color of the Ace of right. Spades. It's actually pretty awesome, too. I'm not going to read that shit, but it's it's really awesome, too. It's a visual tribute to rock and roll legend Ian Lemmy Kilmister, spanning his hard-living rock life. Now, the last book they sent me is really interesting. It is about the Krampus, which I think is right up your alley, Ron. Well, yeah, actually, we're going to be having a... Uh Krampus party at Renner's uh, Grill and Lounge here in Portland on December 10th, are you, as a matter of fact. Are you really going to have that? Yeah, we had one last year, and we're going to have another one this year. And, you know, we had a great time uh, last year at Renner's. We had great German food, and uh, we did sort of an impromptu ghost hunt. Which went awry. As well, always, in that uh, it always does. <laughs> Rogers, Rogers' uh, uh, girlfriend got grabbed by some entity and had a big bruise on her shoulder or 
her arm and <laughs> ran to the car and the entity was following her because oh somebody goodness. was snapping photos and that, that blurb or whatever it was was following her into the car. So it was pretty crazy. But yeah, Krampus Party at Renner, December 10th. Well, the the other book, I can't seem to, to find it in here, but the other book is The Krampus, and it's a history of old The Krampus and old uh, Christmas legends and the rise of the folkloric devil or something like that, but it's by Feral House. And it looks yeah. fascinating. It's a whole lot of Krampus and other uh, Christmas devils. Actually, you want to hear a funny story? Real fast, yeah. One, we one, have like one, one because we have one like per a, show. We have like a guest and shit. So when yeah. I was a kid, I was actually raised in Italy. My my dad was was in the military, and we lived in Italy. We lived in a little town uh, in southern Italy, and at a place called San Vito del Nomani. And uh, in Italy, you've got. <clears throat> Christmas and then you have Epiphana. And so after Christmas, I think it's after Christmas, it escapes me now. It's around Christmas, a little before, a little after. You stick your shoes outside. Right? Mm-hmm. And and the yeah. Chris, the Christmas witch who's Epiphana will come around and if you're good she'll put candy in your shoes. Mm-hmm. And so she has like an ox cart and she rides, she pulls her ox cart around, you know, around Italy and gives all the good children bewitched candy. Right. Don't sound too excited, Ron. That's my childhood. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you know, oh, what, did you eat any of that candy or what? Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So it wasn't like laced with LSD or well, you know, DMT came, or anything. Well, it came from my parents, so I sure hope it wasn't laced with LSD. That'd be bad. Oh, doofus! Oh, well. Such a doofus. <laughs> you never know, brother. Uh, yeah. Okay, Ron. Well, you know, I I was like putting out that information about you know Julian Assange being part of that. Uh, um, sort of mind control cult in uh, Australia where all those kids were being drugged with LSD and shit. So, you well, know, well, he was drugged with LSD and shit. Huh? I, I believe he was drugged with LSD and shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, they it was that. Uh, yeah. Drink the Kool-Aid. Yep. And they all had like very blonde hair. Yes. <laughs> very interesting cult. Now, speaking of cults, uh, we have the cult master on the line. Uh, Vince Enzunza mm-hmm. is a native of Washington. He sent me a, a whole treatise on his history. So I have a prepared right. I have a prepared statement. So let's see how this goes. Vince Enzunza okay. is a native of Washington State and has possessed a lifelong fascination with the paranormal and eclectic from growing up with the X-Files and Unsolved Mysteries. My God, I was like a kid when that shit was on. I didn't grow up with it. Like... I was like in high school. He started making videos for fun 
while he was attending Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. Upon attending McMiniman's UFO, UFO Festival in McMinnville, Oregon, the spring of 2014, him and his best friend Alexandra Sullivan conceived of the idea to create their own paranormal-themed video series, Pacific North Weird. Vince is the primary director and writer of Pacific North Weird, which chronicles the strange, paranormal, and unusual unusual happenings of the Cascadian region known as the Pacific Northwest. If you don't know where that is, buy a book. Covering everything from the region's rich UFO history to its unofficial cryptid mascot Sasquatch, as well as a bevy of topics in between, such as eccentric local celebrities, strange landmarks, and paranormal activity. The show maintains a necessary balance between documentary and comedy, and seeks to capture the magic of the Northwest in a fun, informative, and exciting way. It is currently hosted on its YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Pacific North Weird, and self-promoting plug, osi74.com, and I believe Uh it's part of the Secret Sundays, which is sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Vince, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's like everything is connected. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) We got a three-way going right here. Hey, uh, so Olaf, I have a question. This is the the, uh, question for the evening. Okay. So, Vince has an unusual last name. Do you know what kind of name that is? Do I know? I have. Yeah. I have no I idea. I did. I did. I right yeah. Didn't I do? Vince. Vince, didn't I tell? You, I asked you. Oh, isn't that a Basque name? And you're going, what? How do you know? I, I went, what? How do you know? I remember that. <laughs> Vince, is it a Basque name? <clears throat> it's a very Basque name. Have you? Yeah. Been, have it's you, a. <clears throat> It's actually an, an ancient Basque term for a burial swamp. You know, like a mm-hmm. swamp that you throw dead bodies into. I'm a graveyard. How <laughs> <That was> fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where, do I, where do I go with that one? Well, you know, you know, my name, uh, if I remember correctly, it means like revenge your ancestors. I thought it was like a screwdriver. Huh. No, that's my last name. <laughs> My last name is a screwdriver. I could, you know, after talking to you guys, I could use a screwdriver. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> this well, is gonna, hey, this is after, be bad, after the show, let's meet over at the Brotherhood in Olympia, Washington. <laughs> this is going to be bad, Ron. I can feel it. No, it's it's a good place to go. They have cheap no, drinks I mean, there. Talking to Vince is going to be bad. <laughs> Oh, um, I'll, I'll join you guys at the Brotherhood. You'll love it. We'll do the next podcast from there. You know, I, I've been yeah. telling Ron that we got to do one on site somewhere. The next time I come yeah. up there, maybe maybe the Brotherhood is the place. Because I mean, oh, uh, it, well, well, we'll just we'll like for a few minutes. We'll have one drink there, and then we'll go to the next place. And yeah, we'll, we'll like Rome. Roam the streets of Olympia. Getting more and more inebriated. <laughs> we'll, we'll do, do each a little segment at each bar. That's and, right. Yeah. And, and Vince, Vince will be our guide. Yes. To debauchery. To debauchery. 
So yeah, I, a scary you know, guy. Uh, no, you're not scary, Vince. Okay, yes, you are. But I have a question from Leia. Yes. She wants to know how you got interested in this stuff. You kind of answered that in the treatise, but I figured I'd ask you anyway because I promised. Well, you know, like when you were a kid, you were Ron, let him talk. Let me talk, Ron. UFOs are cool, you know, and and so's Bigfoot. And as a little kid, I I liked cool, weird things and kind of got a sense that this entire area that I grew up in was really just saturated in uh, in weirdness and um, was populated by by people who um, really enjoyed those types of things. Like you, you throw a rock and you're going to hit some place that has like a stat uh, a Sasquatch carving outside their business or some some mural or like some flying saucer painting on the, the side of a shop window, like <clears throat> old school pizzeria in Olympia, you know, and you know it was just part of part of my DNA, I think. Um, I was always attracted to the the old monster movies when I was a kid. You know, like I would check out the picturized uh, um, novelizations of like Dracula and Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, and things like that. And it was just a youthful interest in the macabre, and eventually led me into uh, listening to uh, shows like Art Bell and, and and stuff when I was in high school and. Yeah, and I'm just having a blast doing it. You know, <clears throat> back when Art Bell was on, I distinctly remember when they were doing the whole Hale Bop thing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've told this story before, but I was I was going to school in Davis, um, at UC Davis, and my family lived uh, in Contra Costa County, and so it was about a 45-minute drive through through this area called Fairfield and you kind of hang a right at this place called Cordelia and I remember distinctly that back then there were no like lights on the side of the freeway so it was like completely like pitch black and we're driving home late we had gone to some sort of family function we're in the car we're listening to Art Bell and there he's got Ed Dames on talking about the detaching pod that's going to kill all the vegetation on the earth and Hail Bop is like huge in the sky, and I'm driving down this road with my girlfriend, now wife, and and there's nobody on the road, and it's pitch black. I swear to God, I thought I was in the Twilight Zone. And that is the perfect time to listen to Art Bell. It was like we, you're you're completely disoriented. It's dark out. You don't know what's coming up around the corner. He's the perfect soundtrack to that. He is. So, did you ever watch things like In Search of, or was it just Unsolved Mysteries and X Files? Um, mostly just those two. I think In Search of was a little before my time. I think, like, I, I've, in recent years, I've I've discovered it and you know watched the um, <clears throat> watched the what I can find on on YouTube and and whatnot, but. No, it's a great show. Sightings was another one that I remember fondly. So that kind of pushed you in the direction once you got older? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a direction I had to be pushed towards. Like, I was always kind of um, really into into that genre. It was always something I enjoyed. I guess I was kind of 
well, not in the closet, but I was in the saucer, you know, and I, I came out of the saucer uh, a few years ago and decided to <clears throat> fully embrace um, uh, all the, the weirdness that, that is me. I, I know the feeling well. <laughs> I know that feeling well. Now, it's got, a liberating feeling. It is. It is a liberating feeling. Although my my exit from the saucer was much much earlier than yours. No, it is. It is a very liberating feeling. <laughs> Olaf, you're kind of like like one of those venerable like uh, drag queens. You know that the the young nice. kids come and, and like you you kind of help usher us into into the the dance circuit. And give us the, um, the the warnings about what to avoid, and point us to the right directions with the the great drink specials. You know, you know, Vince. It's very, very pathetic. It's very kind that you very said very that you said that, and and I I will be your drag mama, Vince. I, I've been looking for one for a while, and it makes me so happy. I am I am so overjoyed to be your drag mom. Well, then I'll be your uh, pimp daddy. How about that? I think we got a perfect threesome going on. <laughs> get, some, get some kiki. All right. Yeah. We're, getting, we're getting paranormal here. Really paranormal. <laughs> we're drifting off topic, Ron. <laughs> All right. So... Anyway, I wanted to just ask, uh, you know, Vince, because I knew you kind of grew up uh, around the Chehalis area. And, I mean, were there other, I guess, kids or people your age that had the same interest as you did? Uh, it just seems like a, kind of a, I don't know, how would you describe where he grew up as compared to Olympia, Washington? Right, right. Um, where I grew up, it, I, I grew up in a little town called Rochester, Washington, which is fairly close mm-hmm. to Centralia and Chehalis. Uh, Centralia and Chehalis was kind of the, the cultural hub uh, in the area that my parents would bring us to. It's where we would go shopping or we'd go to see movies and everything. Um, the, I guess the, the, the cultural landscape of, of the Rochester Chehalis area um, fairly blue collar, lots of antiquing, and um, you know I, I was kind of a, a loner kid, so I didn't really really have a lot of peers, you know, that I um, expressed my interest to, and just kept it to myself. But you know, there are a lot of things in in pop culture of, of in that in that day where you know everyone was starting to kind of get into. Uh, maybe just bemusedly, but a lot of people were getting into the concept of UFOs and government cover-ups, and we had, you know, The X-Files on, Unsolved Mysteries, um, Art Bell, um, even kind of the indie rock circuit, you know, there was Frank Black, you know, fresh off of Disbanding the Pixies, and he did, like, three whole albums that had, like, a huge and a UFO flavor to them. And uh, it was kind of just a really rich time. So I think a lot of people were really into it, and you know, I'd probably to the same extent that I was at the time. I just thought they were cool. The the, the weirdness, the ghosts, the the aliens. But yeah, it wasn't um wasn't really a thing that I talked about a whole lot. So did you ever see anything as a kid or I um have like those weird kid memories, you know, like I think we we all remember odd little things that we can't really can't really just 
uh, explain, you know, but one particular memory I have as a child that to this day, like I, I can remember it and it feels like it was just yesterday. Um, I was about four years old and I recall laying in my bed middle of the night and I get really uncomfortable and I peek out from under my covers and there's this this thing standing at the foot of my bed and I remember it had really kind of odd shaped eyes kind of a slightly larger head and my mom recalls me telling her the very next day that there was this blue boy that was inside of my room and I kept adamantly referred to him as the blue boy. Are you talking like a gray alien looking thing or are you talking like a ghost? I'm more like a, I'm leaning towards a gray alien looking thing just in terms of the, the features. Um, at the age of four, you know, like I, there, there was no internet back then. I had really no concept of the, what a gray alien would look like or even what they were. I don't think it was even on my radar. But in terms of the distinct features, I remember seeing. Um, it, it, it does seem to me now that it was closer to kind of the, the classic gray look. Uh, in terms of calling it the blue boy, I don't know. There was some uh, weird lights kind of outside of our, you know, up in our garage that may have been casting a, a blue tint, you know, into the room that maybe it just looked blue to me at the time. But that one stuck with me. You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I don't think I've ever told this story, but to well, I mean, I've told it, but not to a whole lot of people. Def, definitely not on a podcast. But you know, when I was a kid, um, I had a dream. I guess it was a dream, and I saw a there was a, a there's a ridge line that ran behind my house, and then to the if you were looking at the ridge to the left, there was a big like a hill. And they tried for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years to develop that hill. And it got to the point where the developer had come in and put like a road all the way up the hill. And and it was all sectioned out. And they flattened it to build houses. And then they just abandoned it for like 15 years. But it's it's fairly high. And I remember uh, waking up one night and looking out my window and I could see like a like a cigar shaped UFO like hanging over it right and they were all and it was mm-hmm. like, it was like backlit by the street lights that were behind the hill and I thought to myself because I had no concept at that time of what a cigar shaped UFO looked like for me my childhood was filled with like in search of and project UFO so I had this very like conventional George Adamski kind of understanding of what a UFO Mm -hmm. looked like well project UFO is kind of trippy they had some like really tripped out UFOs in that but the cigar thing never even crossed my mind and and like you I had no concept of what a gray alien was and i remember i had this dream and i i i could hear noises and so i woke up and i went to i looked out and i saw this thing and the next thing i remember in the dream is waking up again and my my uh window was a good four feet off the ground 
maybe three feet, uh, four, three and a half, four feet off the ground. And it went on to the, the roof, which the roof was flat. And I remember walking up to the window and I was kind of freaked out because I could hear sounds. And I saw these, they were kind of like booties, like moving around, scurrying around on the roof. And I could hear clicking, like a clicking sound. And then the next thing I remember, I'm on the roof and I'm, and there are what you would describe as a gray alien on the roof. Like there are a bunch of them and they're like hopping from roof to roof, not like hopping. Like you would normally jump more like just bouncing from roof to roof. And then the next thing, uh-huh. I remember, next thing I remember, there was a court next to my my house. I lived in a condo complex. It wasn't really a court, but it was just like an extension of the driveway, and there were a bunch of houses. And I was standing out there with probably twenty other people, like looking at this thing. And the little people are like, like running around or like walking around, and we're all just standing there staring at this thing, going, "What the fuck is that?" And that's all I remember. But to this, like you, to this day, I can draw it on a map. I can walk out there and show you exactly where I was standing, exactly where everything was. I remember it like to a T. It's amazing how those things stick with you, especially like the very potent, um, important things. And the, and the very fact that both you and I can recall it like it's almost right in front of us I, I, I think adds so much um, relevance to the to that memory to, well, to both of our memories well I'm 41 I mean this happened when I was like 10 so you know I remember it so distinctly that it yeah it's like it happened yesterday it's really creepy I mean it's really creepy it, it still creeps me out I've never had such a uh, an experience. I'm kind of jealous, actually. No, you're not, Ron. It was really fucking scary. <laughs> it was really fucking scary, man. I don't know about Vince, well, but mine, you know, mine was scary. I, I just think it's, you know, when people have those types of experiences, sure, yeah, it was super scary because you're young and stuff. But still, I, I mean, I want to experience that there's something inside me that just wants to like say, Ooh, wow, I saw this or I saw that. But actually my, my life has been sort of, uh, uneventful when it comes to the paranormal. I mean, I've seen a shadow entity and that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, but I'm going to be going on some ghost hunts here within the next week. So yeah, you never know. So, so Vince, well, I, 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 um, Jim, go ahead. Um, Yeah, just just in uh, reference to what Ron said, I'd say my life is, for the large part, been rather uneventful, too, in terms of of seeing paranormal things. You know, like, I I don't have a a Bigfoot experience. I don't have really a ghost experience. I've got that odd memory as a child, but... You know, it's not normal for me to look up in the sky and see things moving around. It's kind of more, I approach it from more of an intense cultural um, interest. Um, I, I like the, the people stories that I encounter when I, when I do my show. I, I think that's, that's what really draws me to it. Oh, not me. It's, it's like, uh, it's pervasive. I, 
I just kept seeing stuff, even to this day. Yeah, that's crazy. Why? I wonder what it is that you know. There are certain people that constantly see weird shit. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, and yeah, one of them actually, Clyde's another person, Clyde Lewis. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Is it something, some sort of like multi generational thing, or you know, just you have the right type of energy or vibration or whatever that you can actually see into another realm? Nah, you know, for myself, speaking for myself only, I don't think it's that. I think it's more, um, for most of it, some of it's dumb luck. Like the Bigfoot thing yeah. was was dumb luck, but mm-hmm. but I think for the the UFOs that I've seen and the ghosts, you know the ghosts. It's because for the most part I put myself in a situation where I wanted to see one, and I knew okay. that I was in a haunted place. But for the UFOs, mm-hmm. I think it's more. I'm just I I observe. Like I'm I look. I watch the world around me. I mean, it's and they're mm-hmm. stupid. Like one time we we're walking the dog, and I was out with my mom walking the dog around the circle. I lived on a circle, and and I'm walking the dog, and I look up, and about ten thousand feet up, there's this silver craft, and you know I'm just a kid. Um, I didn't know what the hell it was, but years later, when I was in college and I discovered the whole Bob Lazar thing, I mean, it was it was a sportster, what Bob Lazar called a sportster. Even down to the waveguide, I could see the waveguide on the top of the on the top of the UFO. When I saw mm-hmm. his rendering of the sportster and I saw the the model, I was like, "Oh my god, yeah. that's what I saw." And it reflected the sunlight, and it was silver, and it was kind of hazy, and the whole nine yards. And I was like, oh, my God. That's exactly what I saw. So I, I don't know. I I just happened to be looking up. I mean, if I wasn't looking up, I wouldn't have seen it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But, but yeah. We, we actually have a guest, so I'm going to shut the hell up. <laughs> so, so Vince, tell me something. So, you know, I'm a fan of Pacific North Weird, and I've watched Thank it. You. It's great. I mean, I love your show. What's the weirdest thing that you've done so far? Uh, in terms of the weirdest topic, I think um, covering Ramsa's School of Enlightenment has yeah. been one of the stranger things. That that uh, that whole trip is just a, a buffet of every every paranormal thing you could possibly imagine. Maybe like except for Bigfoot, you know, but like everything else is, is involved with that. Uh, spirit energy, psychic abilities, uh, blindfolded archery, reptilians, alien races, um, ancient lost continents out of the Pacific, channeling entities. Um, yeah, no, like every every moment, every time I, I look into it, I learn something something new. And the the fact that it the the the, the compound, the school in Yelm, is twenty five miles away from where I grew up. You know, I I don't think that's a coincidence. I think there's it, it's almost I, I see Ramtha as kind of like the the ma- almost a, a mascot of the weirdness within the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun show, definitely. It's like a microcosm of strangeness. 
Yeah, yeah. And it was just a blast doing that episode, too. You know, I mean, I got to uh, have a lot of fun kind of telling the story of Jay-Z Knight um, in our in our goofy little way. Like, you know, she, she uh, says that she first encountered the entity Ramtha in the kitchen of her Tacoma home in 1977. You know, Ramtha, the spirit that comes to her through her kitchen. And I thought, well, that's just like the Ghostbusters scene where Dana Barrett encounters Zool in the fridge and the eggs are popping out of, right. and frying on the counter. So, like, we totally, like, redid that scene with Alexandra playing Jay-Z. <laughs> night and like to have fun with it like that you know but at the same time it kind of gives you a little piece of the history too you know i i was watching that and i was thinking to myself you know i know i know you're pacific north weird and it's all about the pacific northwest but dude you gotta go talk to yanarius uh, yeah, uh, they're down in California, correct? Yeah, yeah, Southern California. You need to go to Unarius. You need to take oh, a road trip. that's in El Cajon, isn't it? Isn't yeah, that in El Cajon? Yeah, I think it's in El Cajon. Yeah, Adam Go Rightly and I went there, but unfortunately they were closed on Sunday. But yeah, that's a, a very trippy cult. I mean, they're a fun cult, though. I, I like those guys. They're they're nice people. I, I like I, I like their outfits a whole lot. Well, they're also, I mean, they make those, like, what do they call them, psychodramas? The films? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the, right. the scale is insane. Yeah, I, I would love to go down there and, and experience that. You know, yeah. like... Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, it's sort of like uh, North Weir goes to Southern California. You know, you can have some sort of special. Right, right. I mean, Alex Alex had this great idea of going down kind of in that area, maybe a bit more southwest, and we can do like a spinoff called South by South Weird, you know, or a couple couple one-off shows. You know, even the the, the Brady Bunch went to Hawaii for a season finale. Mm. If they can go to Hawaii, we can can go to Southern California. Yeah, but what are you going to do for the Tiki God? Um, well, I mean, you're definitely Vincent Price in this whole thing. <laughs> Again, you compliment me. Stop it, please. We got to get you like a tiki idol. Yeah. I mean, it'd probably end up being like a, maybe a flying saucer snow globe or something. There you go. You could be shaking it. And then at the very end, you could drop it like Rosebud. Rosebud. Oh my God. Rosebud. Rosebud. I like that. It could also be maybe like the end of Saint Elsewhere, you know, where like I have the entire universe within my snow globe. You referenced Saint Elsewhere. I did. That's impressive, Vince. <laughs> I like being on the internet and stuff. <laughs> you know what's sad is that I saw it on TV. <laughs> have you seen Who Shot Jr.? No, but I remember oh the, the Simpsons parody of it when I was a kid. Oh, no, 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 no. You've got to actually watch Dallas. You've got to watch the episode where he gets shot, and then you got to watch the next I'm so, episode. I'm so freaking old, I remember I saw that in college, that episode. Whoa. No, I wasn't in college, yeah. but... Who shot yeah. JR, everybody? Who shot JR? Oh, it's just a dream. Oh, no. <laughs> Is that bitch. <laughs> that bitch, that she amazing. shot me in a dream. 
<laughs> so so it seems when I watch the show, it seems that you do have a a bit of an obsession with Sasquatch, though. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big cuddly teddy bear. Sure. Right in my backyard. Um, I kind of feel like we've we haven't really proven ourselves with Sasquatch yet. Like we we've yet to have like that really big big episode that um kind of puts us on the Sasquatch map, which which we are we are actually working on right now. Um I think probably the finest I think the finest video I've ever worked on um will be coming out within the next few months. And the the working title is To Sasquatch with Love. And it's it's a celebration of just the the cultural impact that uh, Bigfoot has in this entire area, um, just in some research and going out and filming stock footage, you know, of, of Sasquatch statues and murals around the area. I find them in so many different places that it's almost like uh, Sasquatch is like a modern forest deity here in the Northwest. There's, there's just idols erected to to his glory everywhere. I, I see more Sasquatch statues than I do crosses. Really? It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. That, that's, that's strange. You know, aside from seeing, I guess it's Sasquatch. I saw it in Washington State, but aside from seeing Sasquatch, the, the fondest memory I have of Sasquatch was when I was in college. I studied anthropology, so I took you know physical anthropology, right? And I was taking I was taking primate I was taking no I would think I was taking primatology. Maybe it was just physical anthro. I forget. But um, my professor he got all like super excited, and he's telling us, "Yeah, dude, I got this film of big." And he said, "Dude, by the way, yeah, dude, I got this this film of Bigfoot. It's real. It's legit." And we're all like, "Really? Yeah. Wow!" He's all, let me tell you about the Gigantopithecines. And we had this whole like thing and Gigantopithecus, dragon teeth, all this shit. And he's like, yeah, you know, in, in the Himalayas, they call him Yeti. In the Pacific Northwest, they call him Sasquatch. Here, they call him Bigfoot. But I've got this amazing footage, so pay attention in class. And if you guys are okay and don't piss me off at the end, I'm going to show it to you. So, of course, everybody's, you know, no talking in class. Everybody, you know, it's college, but nobody's fucking around. It's everybody's like really, you know, paying attention. He goes, okay. Now it's time. This is real footage of Sa- of you know Sasquatch Bigfoot, right? I'm like, great, let's see it. So back then, the TVs were on uh, carts, <clears throat> and so he wheels this cart in, and there's like a this is pre DVD, and he's got his crap television, crap like like uh, educational television. And he's got his VCR, and he pops his tape in. He's, like, looking around. He pops the tape in, turns it on, and it's him walking along. And then he goes, oh, my God, what is that? And then there's a guy in a gorilla suit, like, jumping up and down. He's like, oh, my God, it's Sasquatch. And that was my fondest memory. <laughs> That's physical anthropology. Yeah, we, we, did a, we had a lot of really great jokes when I was in the anthropology. It was really awesome. It wasn't dry and boring at all. It was so exciting. But you know, I saw it. I actually, I've actually seen Sasquatch. Which I, where did you see Sasquatch? I saw it at East City. 
Yeah, just like the side as well. Clyde side as well. My sighting was a little different, but yeah, I saw it at East City. Yeah. I was uh, I was sitting on on one of the I was sitting at one of the uh, picnic tables. Yep. And screwing with my phone because that's what you do at East City, right? You screw with your phone. You don't like watch UFOs or anything. And it was the afternoon, and during the day there, like it's super boring. But at night is when all the fun shit happens. Well, I'm sitting there screwing with my phone. I think I was trying to play Tetris or something. And and uh, Larry, Larry Overman, the ghost mine guy, he starts hitting me. He says, Olaf, Olaf. I'm like, no, don't bother me. I'm playing with my phone. Olaf, Olaf. No, no, don't bother me. I'm playing with my phone. Olaf, seriously. I'm like, okay, what the fuck is it? And so I turn and goes, it's look at that, look at that. And he look he's pointing up at the top of Mount Adams. And there's a and we're, you know, I think you've been to East SETI, right? Vince? Yes. Several times. Okay, yeah. so you know the distance involved. I mean it's pretty far mm-hmm. to Mount Adams. And there's a on the side the right side of the mountain, there's a, a snowfield that's probably a forty five degree angle. Right? And um he points to this thing and there are these two little black lines like they look they'd be the size of like an ant like a decent sized ant walking up the side of the snowfield and they were so big that I could actually see their gate with the naked eye and I'm watching wow. yeah for for an hour I sat there transfixed with Larry and Larry's like oh my god his mind is completely blown and we're sitting there just completely tra- drooling, transfixed, watching these two things go up the side of the mountain. And they were side by side. Well, they were kind of staggered, but you could even see the gate. They were so huge. You could see the gate. And they walked up the side of the mountain up to the very top. And then they stood on the crest of, of something. And then they descended down into, into like a crevasse. Mm-hmm. And given the distance and the size of what I saw, I mean, they had to be like 10 feet tall at a minimum. I mean, a, a human would have right. been like a dot. I mean, these things were like right. a little ant. It was crazy. And they were black. Nuts. Total That's nuts. intense. Yeah, but again, it's stupid luck, right? I'm sitting there screwing with my phone. He's bored watching the mountain going, well, that's beautiful. And then, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clyde's is a little wow. a little more theatrical. It, it goes running through the camp, and it yeah he. Kind well, of wasn't sucked. it supposedly picking up apples or something like that, and yeah. kind of looked like Robert Plant's hair, you know. <laughs> Robert Plant's hair. That's nice. <laughs> and then you know he said it's like Bigfoot or something like that, and then looked at him like where <laughs> and split. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that particular. Uh, trip yeah there was a lot of uh bigfoot sightings seemed like with uh somebody the night before that a bigfoot jumped over him they thought it was maybe a deer or something but then they looked at the uh the footprints there wasn't no deer footprints <laughs> well apparently he gets so, drunk drunk on apples there oh yeah yeah huh. appar- apparently it, it it likes to eat fermented apples so they get kind of hammered on the apples like bears do yeah. Okay. Gotcha. See, see, guys, that's what we got to do. We got to go there. We got to get drunk on some apple stuff, and then you know, then Bigfoot will appear and come drink with us. 
Well, what we do is we just got to dip, poke, poke some holes in some apples, dip them in some whiskey or moonshine, and then just throw them out in the field and, and watch them run to it and eat them up and, you know, kind of wobble around. It's like, then we all yell, Bigfoot, and they all, like, run into each other. Events <laughs> like that the happy uh, hour. Oh, I'd yeah. love to attend. That's right. <laughs> So, so now, Vince. So the the Rama thing is is the most is kind of the most exciting one you've done. But I mean, is there one that that's like super fascinating to you that you did, like that that kind of captivated your mind? You know what? What's really what one of the things that's really captivated me since I started the show is all of the unique uh, some of the unique history to the the northwest that I, I simply didn't know about prior to doing research for the show um there's so many firsts in this area you know with a Kenneth Arnold, um, 1947, flying out of the Shalis Airport and seeing these crafts, crafts uh, flying around Mount Rainier and eventually coining the term flying saucer. Um, a few days prior to that, the Maury Island incident, um, which gave uh, gave us pretty much the first cultural instance of uh, a man in black, you know, showing up and harassing a, a UFO witness. And I think just like those those claims to to fame that so many people just don't talk about, I've found to be um, some of the most interesting interesting things that I've I've discovered while doing the show. And the the, con, the the topics are so rich, you know, like I've already done videos on each of them, but I can always approach them from a different angle and revisit them and maybe bring a, a different idea to them each time. I like the topics that I can do that with, the ones that, you know, like Bigfoot, you know, or certain cases like that that are far more um, provocative than just one video. So so have you, is there one out there that you haven't done yet that you're really itching to do? Um, I really want to uh, get into the D.B. Cooper case a bit more. That's, can, that's one thing. Yeah? Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And, and luckily enough, like our... Um, our audio guy, Chris uh, Brown, uh, who's been with us for about a year, yeah, is the spinning, spinning image of D.B. Cooper. You throw some sunglasses on that guy, it's, it's oh, yeah. crazy. <laughs> Didn't you guys do a little uh, spoof off that? Yeah, yeah. For our, our Christmas special in 2015, um, we did right. a D.B. Cooper Christmas Carol. And I, I rewrote yeah. uh, the Charles Dickens Christmas Carol to where it's about D.B. Cooper hijacking Santa's sleigh, and he steals all the Christmas presents from the boys and girls of the Northwest and parachutes down into a forest where he's confronted by some some ghosts who try to teach him the errors of his ways. He's harassed by uh, wild men of Winucci, John Torno, uh, Sasquatch, uh, Francis Farmer. Uh, uh, Ted Bundy makes an appearance. Wow. You got everybody. <laughs> we we try to get everyone. You got him, man. So where where do you get the ideas from? I mean, that you know, you you were saying earlier that the whole area is so rich that there's so much there. I mean, how do you mm -hmm. decide which ones to cover? Uh, 
a lot of it has to do with the the ones that immediately bring out the the best ideas in my head um usually get uh get pushed up on the queue you know um a lot of it has to do with the the availability we have to interview people uh there there's always researchers or people closely um involved in the topic specialists in the area and if, if they they express an interest to want to be interviewed by us and we get enough footage then you know we start to work on that one a bit more but honestly i'm probably working on about 10 separate like episodes right now bit by bit you know as i can gather footage for them I keep lots of journals. I, I write a lot of things down, so it's kind of trying to organize a bunch of chaos. It's almost every week, there's like a new idea for an episode or a new topic that presents itself to us, which is fun too. Because I, I know, like, I'll never run out of material. Right, right. So, who who are the uh, other people that are involved with uh, Pacific North Weird? I know it's you and Alexandra. Who are some of the other folks? Um, we've got Tyler Bounds. Uh, he's our mm-hmm. our Sasquatch uh, specialist and camera guy. We've got uh, Peter Bargus. He is our um, musical composer, and he, he writes the majority of our um, background music that you hear when, uh, during the interviews and, and everything. Um, We've got Chris Matthews Jr., uh, who is a, uh, another camera man who helps us out whenever we're filming up in Seattle. And I know I'm missing someone down who I mentioned uh, before, who looks like D.B. Cooper. He uh, helps mm-hmm. clean up our audio and gives me one less thing to, to worry about. And he's he's just a lot of fun, too. He's, he's a cool guy, eager to help out dress up in any silly costume I'd like him to, to, to make the show, uh, make the show great. Well, I have to and, and we always have a few other people kind of, kind of just throughout the, uh, Northwest who, who help us out, um, on a, uh, infrequent basis, uh, Marcus McCoy in Olympia, Hannah Haddix in Seattle, yeah, uh, we have a lot of good people um, in in our circle who who are always really eager to be part of this fun show. It's ultimately a variety show, you know. So like we we always like to have a, a really unique cast of characters on camera at all times. You know, talented, interesting people who are are equally interested in both uh, informing and entertaining. Cool. You're also on uh, Thurston County TV, the public access station there. Yeah, yeah, we we are aired on. Um, well, I always call it TCTV, but it, they've recently changed their name to Thurston oh. Community Media. But yes, yeah. yeah, the the public access uh, channel of the area. They've aired uh, a lot of our, our episodes. It's kind of cool. Like, you know, once in a while I'll walk into a bar in Olympia, happy hour, and they'll have the TV on right. and be playing one of our shows. And, you know, there I am doing something really perverse with Bigfoot or something. And, yeah. Hey, there's that guy that fondles Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Buy me a drink, please. <laughs> 
Oh, where to go with that one? Fondling Bigfoot. <laughs> Uh, it's the next big show on Animal Planet, actually. <laughs> fondling, fondling animals. We'll start with Bigfoot. Then we'll get to weasels. And you know, I can't believe we did a show. On, we did a show on Ground Zero <laughs> about Bigfoot probably having a little little penis. I can't believe we had that show. Okay. I love that episode. Yeah, wasn't that weird? When Clyde said, oh, man, I got, I think I have the, the first film footage here of, uh, you know, Bigfoot's uh, wanker. And it was like, what? And he's going, yeah, see, look, it, it's right here. I'm going, are you sure that's it? Oh, yeah, that's it. And I'm going to do a show on it. And I'm going, Okay. <laughs> Why not? Oh, but you know what? It was uh, it was a pretty popular show. <laughs> well, there's a there's I guess that, some people got to kick that. There's that porn parody too. There's a porn with like Bigfoot. I don't know how that worked out. Oh, there's a bunch of pornos with Bigfoot. Yeah, if you go on uh, Amazon, there's a lot of uh, erotic fan fiction for Bigfoot too. Yeah, yeah. There, there, it's a, it's a whole market for it. Like, come for Sasquatch Five and all kinds of things out there. Ron, I think you you found your new career. I I'm I'm going to start actually right after the show tonight. I'm I'm going to prepare accordingly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, dump all that mind control shit. <laughs> we can call it like like big shoe diaries. There you go. We got the guy to film it. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready and willing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Give me those hairy hoes, man. Lay those hairy hoes on me. Harry Ho ten. <laughs> Bigfoot cometh. <laughs> okay, we digress. We digress. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. We just kind of get our hand. Yeah. So, so where where do you want? Pacific Northward to go. I mean, it's it's obviously a well-made show. You've got a lot of fans. You know, it gets watched a lot. I know on OSI 74, you know, it's one of the top shows. I mean, where where are you looking to take it next? I mean, you know, are you going to branch out into anything else aside from a Unarius special and, and, you know, South by South Weird? I mean, are there other things like that you want to do? Um, I've been approached with a, a few ideas to uh, write a book, compile kind of a travel journal uh, based on a lot of our adventures um, filming Pacific North Weird. I, I think I, I think that'd be a good fit in theory. Um, you know, our, our show is never about like proving if Bigfoot exists or proving if aliens are out there or ghosts or whatever. It's like the best moments in the show are are the the real people that we find and interview. And I, I think we have a really distinct um, story to tell um, concerning our, our experiences with these people. I think you know that that would make a, a great series of books or, or some sort of some sort of written uh, documentation of that I think would be a good place to go. My main goal right now is just to make the show even better than, than it is now. There's a, a, a level of production value that I'm, I'm still reaching for. And a big part of it is, is me learning. You know, like when I, when I started the show two years ago, 
I, I, I basically knew how to throw together a video. I kind of knew how to use my editing software and it was just kind of a process of us going out and having an amazingly fun time. And then me kind of teaching myself, you know, how to edit and tell a narrative um, story. Um, I, I, I know I've definitely gotten better at that, uh, but I want I think I could get even better, and that's a big, big place I'd like to reach for. Um, being on the OSI 74 has just been wonderful. It's great that it's great that we're on the same roster as, as so many um, other great talents who are, are also uh, part of OSI. Um, you know, I, I can see our show being particularly. Um, good for something like Adult Swim, potentially. Oh, yeah. Kind of like this right. indie DIY aesthetic to it. Um, I, it would be a dream come true for for uh, us to wind up on, on something like that. Um, I try not to think too much about kind of specifics, though, like where I want the the show to go. It's it's kind of just more. I, I I want I want to continue having fun with it. I want to. Well, it makes it organic, right? If it's organic, yeah. it's gonna be more interesting. Absolutely, yeah. If and you, and we're 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 trending upward. You know, like like it seems like every every month there's kind of a, 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 a market like improvement in interest and, and more and more people seem to be getting getting into it and I've got I've got a plan for a few future videos that should be coming out uh, before the end of the year that I think will will even improve and and make our, our viewership even larger. Well I mean it's a great show. I mean it you know, you do it really well. It does have a DIY aesthetic, but you know, it's it's well put together. I mean there there are plenty of cable access shows that are not you know, as I mean it's really DIY DIY, but but yours, you know, it has a good presentation. It's funny. You know, it and it does tell a story and I, I think you're right about telling the story. I think a lot of times in the paranormal world, the conspiracy world, UFOs, I think people get too hung up on telling the specifics about, you know, they make it too uh, technical. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times what people are actually interested in is the kind of narrative of it. You know, that obviously if you do research, you, you need to do the, the research and you, you need to produce something and prove try to prove what you're saying. But in so many cases, you know, that there's a kind of narrative. And I think that sometimes that narrative is lost in the, the translation of trying to, you know, they get too hung up on, well, it's flying at 32,000 feet. I mean, have you ever seen like a MUFON, you know, sightings report? It's like fucking five right, pages right. long. And it's like, you know, when that's great if you're doing research but if you're doing a presentation of some sort you know you got to make it entertaining and interesting and tell a story and then people remember the facts as you tell the story well those are the things that people are drawn to they're they're, they're drawn to good um pieces of humanity you know like uh east city ranch for instance you know it, it, it's great to go there and it's, it's cool sometimes to watch things where people theorize about what's really causing the phenomena and stuff um our video on east city we, we didn't do that at all really like we just found some people and spoke to them like we we talked to this guy named frank who communicates with this like seven foot tall 
feline cat alien woman named Bogit, you know. And, and, yeah, yeah, he's great. And and but you you see him you see him speaking about his relationship with Bogit and Frank he's got tears in his eyes. He he is purely like uh, has an almost like childlike happiness when he's at East City Ranch. And I think stories like that, that's what I'm really drawn to. And that's kind of the thing that I'd like to see when I'm watching things about um, UFO contact sites or UFO ranches. That's more interesting to me than trying to decipher the, the type of craft they're in. You know, or yeah, and you know that stuff's interesting too. But I, I guess in terms of just the types of stories I want to tell, it's 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 more about talking with the the people who get emotional about it, the, the people who have their own lives enriched by surrounding mm-hmm. themselves with this world. Well, it's infotainment, right? That that's what I always mm-hmm. refer to it as. It's it's, it's yeah. infotainment. If you make it too technical, nobody's going to read it. You know, I mean, you've got to have facts in there that support what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, you have to make it entertaining. You know, you can't just say fact, 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 fact. I mean, people fall asleep. You know. Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, the question. You know, I saved this. I mean, we've been we're at about an hour. So I've saved this until toward the end of this, but I've got to know your your uh, the shirts you have and the pins, like yeah. the, the the clothing. Where do you find that crap? I mean, you have like the craziest <laughs> shirts I've ever seen. Like like I, I go to a website waiting. called uh, I go to a website called crap dot com. Crap dot com. I thought that was porn, but okay. Yeah, um, I, I I just find them, you know. Um, most of them, I so Alex and I, we go to a hell of a lot of different uh, paranormal UFO Bigfoot conventions just all around the region. And one of one of the the big reasons for going there, besides filming, besides enjoying, you know, the the lectures and presentations, I, I love just upping my wardrobe when I go to these places. And I, I guess I'm just lucky enough to run into the right vendors. I always like a souvenir, at least like one souvenir of like every every episode that we do so i mean the the wardrobe you have is is nuts i mean you've got your heaven's gate shirt i mean you've got all kinds of weird stuff yeah people people think i'm kind of a weirdo around here which is cool i I kind of like to describe my style as kind of like a like a psychedelic glenn campbell or something I like to wear all the rhinestones. Yeah, you need a rhinestone suit. You need, you need a yeah. rhinestone so, suit. Well, my, my birthday is coming up next it. month. <laughs> oh, Mr. Scorpio, I bet, huh? <laughs> yeah. You need a big, like, UFO medallion. Oh, that would be so cool. I kind of want to, I want like a nudie suit, you know, like nudie cone. You know, we'd make those suits for Keith Richards and um, the Flying Burrito Brothers back in the 60s. I want a suit like that. You know, I always wanted a slim good body suit, but I'm not slim, so it wouldn't work well for me. 
And if you know who Slim Goodbody is, man, <laughs> big props. <laughs> oh, I I'm, hate to disappoint you. I don't know who that is. Ron, do you know who that is? No. Are, for real? Slim Goodbody. Yeah, when I was a little kid, in, in school, they would show us uh, – these videos for like you know healthy eating and shit and they were done by this guy slim goodbody and he's this he's this like super thin dude and he's got this like like uh monotard thing on and 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 overlaid on the monotard is like all the blood vessels and muscles and he had like a like a body suit that was like a body yeah yeah. Well, I grew up in Hawaii, man. We weren't into that kind of stuff. I'm sorry. I'm I'm very disappointed, Ron. Well, I mean, hey, it's just a cultural thing. But it was it was well, it was it was really trippy because it had like all the muscles and all the arteries uh-huh. and veins and and uh-huh. and he just wear and it was kind of creepy. Like on one hand, it was kind of <laughs> creepy, and then on the other mm-hmm. hand, it was kind of cool. Yeah, well, I remember the models. Yeah, you know those little models that you took apart and stuff, and had the different, you know, the muscular section and the. Yeah, but picture that. Picture that on a grown man. Yeah, that would be trippy. And he's running around like Richard Simmons, like jumping up and down, like you can do this too. (laughs) The little fat kid going, "No, I can't." Here, pull out my intestines. It's fun. <laughs> it's exciting. No, that's guar. Yeah. <laughs> Guars pull out my intestines. <laughs> that's right. Oh, the good old days. Yeah, I tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my youth. All right, Vince. Well, it's been about an hour. I'm sure we've tired you out with our with our BS. Uh, how do people find Pacific North Weird? They can uh, look for Pacific North Weird on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, our main uh, YouTube page is youtube.com forward slash Pacific North Weird. And in a few days, we will have uh, PacificNorthWeird.com in our possession. Um, do, do you have time for a quick little story on how we acquired that? We always have time for a good story, and it doesn't have to be okay. quick. Okay. This this is actually one of the weirder things that has happened to us uh, since starting the show. And so 2014, Alexander and I go to McMinnville, Oregon for the McMinnimans UFO Festival. Um, we, we George Norrie was speaking. Uh, Kawani Lapsaritis was there talking about his psychic uh, communications with Bigfoot in the forest. And they had that, you know, the big parade and all the revelry uh, out in the, the streets. And we had such a good time there. And it, it occurred to us that the there were two parts to the UFO festival. You had the lecture circuit in the convention hall. And then you had all the people in the costumes and the parades and all the, the, the fun and the, the drinking and the costume balls and all that stuff happening out in the streets. And we thought, wouldn't it be cool to make a show that actually combined those two things, you know, infotainment, you know, like we, we have serious information come packaged in, in a, in a big Twinkie of fun, you know, Twinkie. And of fun. I got to remember that. Yeah. 
that's our show. It's a Twinkie of fun. Yeah, it is. And so you know, we, we we decide you know to start making a show. So a few months later, we're at my apartment. And we're trying to come up with a name for the show, and Alexandra comes up with Pacific North Weird, and you know instantly I knew that that was perfect. That's the show. It says everything it needs to say, and we 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 start making the show and. A year later, I decided it'd be cool to get a .com. You know, we were starting to take it a little more seriously at that point. So I I go to GoDaddy.com, and I I purchase PacificNorthWeird.net and .org, and I go to purchase .com, and it's already owned by somebody, which which I found really peculiar. So I, I type in the URL, and it redirects to this author's website, um, author by the name of Heather Sharfedine. And the, the name of her website is just sharfedine.com, you know, so it's like one of those Pacific Northweird.com she owned as like an ancillary site that, you know, redirected to it. And it, it baffled me, like, why, why would she have that? So we contact her, and it turns out that back in 2009, she wrote a book called Windless Summer, which takes place in the Northwest. And within that book, there is a group of characters who travel around the Northwest making videos of weird things, and they call their show Pacific North Weird. That's weird. That's very weird. Very weird. What's even weirder is Heather Sharfedine lives and teaches creative writing in McMinnville, Oregon. Okay, that's weird. The same, the same town that inspired us to create this show. So, like, I, I, I at this point, I'm questioning my own existence. You know, like, am I, Alexander, all of our friends, everyone I know, merely like a a figment of Heather Sharfedine's imagination? Did I not even exist before the publication date in 2009 of Windless Summer? Is it like, you know, to bring back saying elsewhere, uh, kind of like? that little boy with the globe where the entire world narrative world actually exists inside of his mind, inside of this magical object he holds. So yeah, that, that just kind of blew our minds and we got to talking with Heather, um, ended up meeting up with her during this past UFO uh, festival this past May. And she had a really Mm -hmm. great sense of humor about it and everything and ended up doing this deal where I, uh, created a a book trailer for an upcoming novel of hers in exchange for the URL. And um, we're going to have future fun with uh, that um, topic uh, next year. We're going to go down and kind of do an episode about that strange coincidence. Origins. You know, where um, the origins, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe even like pick yeah. up the book and try to retrace all the episodes that her fictional Pacific North Weird did, did, you know, and then try to recreate it ourselves for the episode. And maybe it might just end up um, erasing existence at the end of at the end of our journey. Yeah. But yeah, I'm um, well, sorry, short. In a few days, we'll have <laughs> what? It, it's fun while it lasted. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. If this is the way it's going to end, then. So, are pretty, pretty outstanding uh, and astounding. So, yeah, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, seeing an episode where you're, you know, getting into all that, all the various connections. That'll be great. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that myself. But, yeah, PacificNorthWeird.com. In a few days, that will lead you to something. 
Right on. Something that will be us. <laughs> that will be you. All right. Yes. Well, that was another thrilling episode of the Paranoia Podcast. Chaotic as usual. Professionally done. What, number? what episode was this anyway, Olaf? Uh, I think it's 12. Jeez. We got to do something good for 13, Ron. Yeah, yeah, I have something up my sleeve. Something I, I have it figured out. I have it figured out. It better be damn good, Ron. There's a lot writing on it. Well, it's not going to be as good as this, but, you know, well, it, it'll be close. Well, apparently we better hurry the hell up because uh, Vince here is going to end end all of time. So <laughs> better the, the hourglass is running. Yes, the hourglass is running fast. All right. Well, uh, this is the Paranoia Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're on we're Paranoia Magazine, paranoiamagazine.com, paranoiapublishing.com. Uh, we are Paranoia Mag on Twitter. We are Paranoia Mags on Instagram. Uh, you can email us, contact us. I don't know. Get a hold of us. Tell us things. We're we'll listen sometimes. Um, but other than that, you know, it, Vince, it was great having you on. We're huge fans of the show, and I hope you you make a lot of really good episodes. And I, you know, I love watching it, being able to watch it on my TV. You know, I always get a kick out of that. So it's nice to not have to watch it on YouTube. <laughs> I Thank it. you so much. And yeah. I've had a really great time on your show. I really appreciate the invite. And you should write a book, Vince. You really should. It would be awesome. I, I know a publishing company, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll cut you a good deal. They'll cut you a great deal <laughs> when oh, the time comes. Cool. Well, tell me more about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> after the show. But again, again, thanks for coming on. You know, it was a blast. And, and I, you answered all my questions about where, you, where it came from. It always really perplexed me. So I appreciate it. All right. That's it, I think. So uh, in the immortal words of uh, Bill and Ted, uh, be excellent to each other. Be good care and keep the faith, all. All right. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Next week, new and exciting episode that Ron's going to come up with. I think it'll be lucky number 13. Anyway, thanks you a lot. You got it, baby. Yep. Thanks a lot. And, uh, and keep it real. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio. Hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide. Was composed by Scott Moon. Scottmoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers. Is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at osi74.com. We are resuming control. For now.